You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Good morning to you all, and you can be seated. We're going to see two things today. The funding of our salvation and the keeping of our salvation. Uh, We hear about funding uh, a lot. There's a $1 trillion infrastructure bill in Senate right now. The uh, poor group of folks had to meet all day yesterday on a Saturday and think through how are we going to fund this thing. I-35 is under reconstruction right now and and will be for the next 235 years. A good question is, how, how will it be funded? Who's paying for this? We can ask the same thing, though, about our salvation, about our redemption. Such a lavish thing, such a marvelous thing, such a significant thing. How is our salvation going to be funded? Who's paying for this? And then how long will it last? Is it going to be possible for us to lose this redemption, to lose this salvation? With your copy of God's Word, let's go together to the Gospel of John. Let's go to John chapter 6. And once you get there, this is just where we'll be the rest of the morning. The Gospel of John is the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I encourage you to turn there or get there on your device. And this is where we are today. John chapter 6. If you'll get there, I'll kind of give you a little synopsis of what is happening. We're not going to read the entire chapter. I'll let you know what's going on in the first portion of John chapter 6. And then we'll start reading it. The beginning of this chapter, Jesus takes these five loaves and these two fish and feeds over 5,000 people. So naturally, he's drawing crowds. You know, free food. People are following him around. Then Jesus gets away from the crowds and he sends the disciples onto a boat to begin to cross the Sea of Galilee while he goes to the top of a mountain to pray to the Father by himself. And he tells them, I'll catch up with you later. So his disciples are now in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Really, it's a large lake that behaves like a sea. And they're in a boat. And so Jesus decides to join them. Uh, He's going to meet them out there. So he takes a stroll on the water to get to the disciples. They're a little bit freaked out by this, but he's going to meet them there. He sees them. He gets on the boat with them, and then they cross over to the other side. Now, the crowds who have been following Jesus, they also follow him over there, and they're, they're looking for him. And when they get there, the crowds again are there, and this conversation we're about to read ensues. And let me warn you, Highland here and Highland at home, that it's a difficult conversation. But I want us to read this whole thing and then think about what this text means. So if you, if you don't mind, start with me. And I challenge you to stay with me here. Let's begin in, in verse 25 of chapter 6. When they found him, meaning Jesus, on the other side of the sea, Sea of Galilee, they said to him, Rabbi, when, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, you're following me around for free food. You think I'm going to just feed you every, every time you show up. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, on Jesus, this is really important, God the Father has set his seal, has set his name, has set his authority. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, 
that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? In other words, if you will, show us a magic trick, Jesus. God did so, verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written, he, God, gave them bread from heaven to eat. That was God's magic trick, Jesus. You do something for us. Verse 32, Jesus said to to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So, shocking, the Jews grumbled about him. Because he said, I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. They said to one another, is not this Jesus? The son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. As it is written in the prophets, and now Jesus is going to go back and take from Isaiah 54. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Excuse me, verse 45 is written in the prophets. And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he, speaking of himself, who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that no one, that one who may eat from it will not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh, drinks of my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said this, and it's so difficult that many turned away. It's not on the screen, but if you just let your eyes go down to verse 66. And after this, after Jesus said such heavy things, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. 
So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And verse 68 is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. Simon Peter answered Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The only ones left were the few who are willing to lose everything to follow him. I mean, we want to be counted among those few, don't we? Right in that what we would one of our own lives. This is such an odd passage. It's a, it's a difficult passage. I'll, I'll give that to you. But what does it mean? I, I want us to see three truths today from this passage. Three bold truths from this passage. Truths that when we believe them, our lives will never be the same again. Truths that show us how our redemption is going to be funded. Truths that show us that this redemption, this salvation will last forever. As well as truths to prepare us for communion today. Here's the first thing. For you note takers, only Jesus fulfills our deepest desires. It's only Jesus that does this. Uh, we won't go back and read that entire passage, but if you want to kind of look back to verse 25, 26, 27, Jesus is saying you know, the physical food will satisfy for short term. I mean, your physical body craves food. We all know that. If I were to preach on for another three hours or so, all of us in this room would start craving physical food. God just kind of wired us that way. But Jesus is talking about our heart desiring something deeper, something greater than that, something more lasting than that, something that's more significant than physical food. Here's what we desire. Everyone in this house desires this. We desire life. We desire eternity. In fact, it is God who has set eternity in our hearts, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. We all desire life. And so Jesus says here in verse 32, the reality is it wasn't Moses that was handing out the bread. It was God. And this same God is delivering bread. Jesus says, even today, that bread is coming from heaven. So they say, I like verse 34. So they said to him, sir, give us this bread. We want that bread that satisfies us. We want that bread that will make us never hungry again. We want that, that bread that is significant, that is lasting. And they didn't even say, give us this bread. They said, sir, give us this bread always. Greek word for the day, pantote. It means all the time. Like Jesus, this is the bread we want every day, this bread that will last, this bread that gives life. That's what it says in verse 33, that gives life to the world. And then Jesus makes this astonishing, astounding statement. It's in verse 35. In fact, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, underline verse 35. If you do mind writing your Bible, underline verse 35. It's that important. This is a pivotal phrase in the New Testament. This is a pivotal verse in the New Testament. This is a pivotal point in the arc of redemption. Look what it says in verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Ever again, that longing you have for life and for eternity, you'll never be hungry for it again. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is startling truth. That God has wired us and, and created us to be satisfied in him. Not in stuff, but in him. So if you want to step back for a second and see the big picture, the ark of redemption happening right here in, in this passage, what we're seeing is that we're not going to be saved nor satisfied by things. This is why I hate the prosperity gospel, which really is no gospel at all. Come to God and get stuff. Trust in God and you'll get things. No. You come to God and you get God. God. 
You trust in God so you can have God. He is better than all of the things of this world put together. He's not a means to an end. God is the end. We're going to be saved and satisfied by God through this living bread who is Jesus Christ. Second truth, bold truth. Jesus promises an unlosable, unending salvation. And yes, I know unlosable is not a word. It's not in America. It actually is in the dictionary in England. And my forefathers are from England, so... So it's going to fall back on my heritage a little bit on this. So for all of you English professors and English teachers out there, take a breath. I am English. It's okay that we do this. Jesus promises an unlosable, unending salvation. This is where the ark of redemption for New Testament believers is fortified. The salvation that comes through Jesus cannot be lost. It cannot be taken away. You see, in the Old Testament, the blood of the bulls and the goats and the rams, they could not permanently take away the sin. So forgiveness in the Old Testament was this ebb and flow. The Old Testament believers did not have the Holy Spirit residing inside of them, so they were constantly on spiritual thin ice. Now here comes Jesus, if you will. Go back into your passage, chapter 6, look at verse 37. Look what Jesus boldly says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal Life. Look at verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Look at verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Jesus is saying here, I'm going to give you something that cannot be taken away. I'm going to give you something that cannot be lost. It is life that will last forever. My Father is going to give me everyone who turns to me. So what Jesus is saying right here is simply this. I don't lose things. And that's good news, Christian, because he knows you. He loves you. He owns your salvation. He owns your rescue. And he will never cast you out. Jesus never loses anything or anybody that the Father gives to him. Look at verse 44. This is another very, very key phrase in all the New Testament. Verse 44, John chapter 6. No one, that's that's pretty limiting. No one can come to me, Jesus says, unless the Father who sent me draws that person, draws him in. Let me say that again, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. This is amazing. Jesus is saying right here, it's the Father who is calling people to myself, Jesus says. It is the Father who is wooing people to me. So think about this, Highland. The creator of all things, the God who created you and crafted you is also calling you. The high king of heaven, the king of the universe, calls you to Jesus. This is astounding grace. I mean, though we have run 
after all kinds of temporary things. Though all of us in this place have, have loved other things and given our love to other things, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in his grace and in his sovereign mercy, has sought you and called you to his Son. Third truth, bold truth. Jesus provides for our salvation in his death and prevails over our sin in his resurrection. This is what's happening here in, in John chapter 6. Uh, verse 52 through verse 58 especially are very troubling for people. When you read things like drink of my blood, eat of my flesh, but Jesus is not talking about cannibalism here. He's not asking his, his disciples to eat him. He's not talking cannibalism. He's talking about his cross. He's talking about the gruesome reality that the only way we will come to the Father and be reconciled to the Father and to experience eternal life is through this messy, horrific act of his death on a cross. We're going to have to put our trust, this is what he's saying, our trust in his crucified flesh. We're going to have to put our faith in his crucified body. We're going to have to put our trust in his spilled blood. You see, we in our sin, we have run from God, but God in his holiness has made a plan for our rescue, for our salvation, for our redemption. And this is how Jesus is going to do it. Here's the funding. Here's the permanency of this redemption. Jesus says here in John chapter six, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna give my body, I'm gonna give my blood I'm going to lay down my body. I'm going to shed my blood for you. I'm going to die the death that we all deserved to die. And I'm going to take, I'm going to make the payment of your sin upon myself. I will die in your place. I will die for your sin and I will pay for, I will fund your salvation. I will pay for your redemption. But then Jesus also lets us know here that he will prevail over sin in his resurrection. That's why four times in verse 39, in verse 40, in verse uh, 44, in verse 54, he uses this phrase, raise up on the last day. We will be raised because Christ will be raised. So let's remember two things in communion today. One, how Christ funded our salvation. And the Christian, listen, he will never lose you. He will never cast you out. The life that he offers his daughters and his sons is not a temporary life, it's eternal life. So let's remember these two things as we take communion. Christ has paid for our redemption and Christ will never cast you out of the family of God. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we take this communion cup, while we remember the sacrifice, the, the costliness of our salvation, we remember the work that you did so that all we would have to do is simply believe. We remember how costly our forgiveness is. We remember today the funding of our salvation, the payment of our redemption. Jesus, we remember you on the cross, that by your own authority, you laid your life down for us. So God, we thank you for the cross of your son.
Jesus, we thank you for your body that was opened up for us that we might enter into a new and living way through this new covenant established in permanency by the Son of Man, bread who came from heaven. In the name of the crucified and risen Christ, we pray. Amen. Highland, if you would carefully pull back the tab of the bread and let's take this bread and hold it together in our hand. Together, let's remember as the daughters and the sons of God, the community of the redeemed here, that we eat of this bread in remembrance of the cross of Christ. Let us remember and eat together. pray with me again so Father before we drink of this cup we want to be still before you we do not want to drink judgment upon ourselves today we want to drink from this cup remembering that you took the judgment Jesus so we drink this this cup in, 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 in humble gratitude Father our hearts are overflowing with thanksgiving today that, that you, again, Jesus, by your own authority, you would go to a cross and that you would shed your blood for us. The payment, the funding of our forgiveness. We will not drink from this cup lightly. We know from your word that without the spilling of blood, there would be no forgiveness for our sin. In the Old Testament, that blood that was spilt that belonged to bulls and goats and rams, it was an imperfect sacrifice. But Jesus, your blood, it speaks a better word. Because Jesus, once you rose from the grave, you ascended back before the Father and were seated at his right hand. You sat down because the sacrifice had been made once and for all. So Jesus, we will drink of this cup remembering the love, the grace poured out for us. Our trust is in this blood that has been spilled by the precious, perfect Lamb of God. So Highland, if you'd very carefully pull back the tab of the cup and hold the cup in your hand. as those who belong to Christ let us together drink in remembrance of Jesus in the gospels when Jesus 2,000 years ago took bread and broke it and said "This, this is me took the cup poured it for those around him said this is this is a picture of my of my death it's, it's always amazed me that they they ate of the bread they drank of the cup probably not understanding fully maybe what, what Jesus was saying about his death that was imminent and the Bible said this is fascinating they sang a song After eating the bread, after drinking the cup, they sang. Why would you sing at a somber moment like that? Paul 
writing to the church of Corinth might give us a little hint when he said, I want you to eat of this bread and drink of this cup until he comes again. I think that's why we sing. Because he's coming again. We sing because we have to rejoice that this king laid his life down for us, opened himself up for us, poured out his blood for us, and is coming again for us. So we sing. I mean, what, what else do you do but sing? Even if you don't carry a melody, you still sing. We rejoice. So we're about to have the opportunity as God's people in this place to sing. And I would challenge you, sisters and brothers, let's sing for joy today. And praise the name of the Lord our God for all that he has done for us. And anticipate the day that he comes to take us home.